Good evening, Raleigh. It is 7 p.m. Tuesday, September 4th, 2012. And welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle. I'm DeAndre Jones. And I'm Andrew Eichen, and we thank you for tuning in. This week, we've got a plethora of information for you guys. I'll be bringing you a story about the new food trucks on campus, while Gene has some information about campaign ad fallacies. In addition, Jay gave us a call earlier from the floor of the Democratic National Convention to tell us a little bit about what's going on in Charlotte. We also have Eye on the Arts with Lucia, one of our newer contributors, and as always, holidays of the week. But before all of that, let's see what's up in this week with the news and the weather. First, we have weather with Dave. Hello, everybody. This is Dave with this week's weather. If you like rain and own an umbrella, then I think you'll probably be all right this week. Uh, We've got showers later tonight, and it's going to get down to about 72 for the evening. Tomorrow's high is 85 with some thunderstorms in the evening with a low of 73. Thursday, we'll have scattered thunderstorms with a high of 85 and a low of 72. Friday, we'll get up to 87 with some isolated thunderstorms and a low of 71. Saturday, we're going to see some scattered thunderstorms with a 40% chance of rain and a high of 84. Sunday will be our last day in that stretch of rainy days with some more scattered thunderstorms and a high of 81 with a low of 64. Monday seems to be our light at the end of the tunnel with a high of 78 and a mostly sunny day. That should do it for the weather this week. Just keep your umbrellas handy and have a good one. So we're looking at a rainy weekend, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. And now we turn to Andrew for the latest in the news. Andrew? Thanks, DeAndre. Hacker group Antisec claims to have obtained the personal information of 12 million iPhone and iPad owners by hacking an FBI computer. The group released a million Apple unique IDs today, but trimmed out personal data such as full names, phone numbers, addresses, and zip codes. Anti-Sec are members of the larger internet collective Anonymous. The national debt topped $16 trillion today. A little more than $11 trillion of that is owed to foreign and domestic investors in the Federal Reserve, while the rest is owed to foreign countries, with China and Japan having the biggest holdings. And the Democratic National Convention began today in Charlotte. Our own Jank Legois is there, and we'll have his report later on. And that's the news. Thanks, Andrew, for that report. Now, what's next up? Well, NC State has some new developments with food on campus, a topic that is always interesting. DeAndre is going to bring us more in about where these trucks are going to be and what is being served. If there is one thing that college students love to talk about, it's food and where they can get it at. Well, we have a new food truck program here at NC State. That's right, trucks that move food around for students to get it in more accessible areas. Sounds interesting, yeah, I know. That's why I had a couple of NCSU Donning friends to come in and talk about the food truck program. Hey guys, today I'm sitting here with some representatives from NCSU Dining. So to start off with, can I get your guys' name and titles? I'm Jennifer Gilmore, and I'm the Director of Marketing and Communication for Campus Enterprises. My name is Kevin Howen. I'm the Business Manager for University Dining. What exactly is the Food Truck Program, and what is it about? The Food Truck Program was created to help bring more food service to areas of the campus that are currently underserved, particularly on Centennial Campus, up in the Administrative Services Complex, and at Biltmore Hall. We looked at uh, different food truck vendors here in the Wake County and Durham County area and put out an RFP uh, to see who was interested and then narrowed it down to a handful of 
vendors that we felt like would fit well on our campus and put them in place, I guess, just a couple of weeks ago. Right, Kevin? Yes. Uh, we started in conjunction with the beginning of the academic school year for the fall, and it was a good time to roll it out to give something extra to the students, to the faculty and staff that are here on campus. And who thought of or what inspired this program? Originally, the Centennial Campus Development Office filled a need at Centennial by placing a truck each day at the Venture Complex. The need grew. At this point in time, dining uh, in a partnership with Centennial Development decided that it was time for us to take over to try and expand the program. So I know that for right now, the food truck program will not be included on the meal plan is there any possibility that it will be included on the meal plan in the future? As much as we would like for the food truck program to be a part of the meal plan, we can't do it because university dining is essentially run by the state. We're prohibited from having those sorts of partnerships and bringing it into the meal plan. Basically, it's just like if we were to pull in Hillsborough Street merchants. We can't accept money and then pay it out to a third party. We're prohibited from doing that. The whole goal of it for now is to, you know, just to try out the whole food truck concept and bring some options that weren't there before, especially over at Biltmore. Um, we've had the folks over at Biltmore for a long time have wanted some sort of food service operation. Let me give you a little bit of history. Anytime university dining expands on the NC State campus, it's because someone has granted us space to move into. For example, at park shops, when they renovated park shops, it was the group that managed that building that invited us to put a Port City Java in there. Same thing at College of Management um, and other places around the campus. We got Clark Dining Hall because health services moved out, space became open, we applied for it and got it. So when you started looking at a building like Biltmore, where they would have liked to have had some food service, they didn't have space within the building that they could dedicate to a dining facility. Same thing at the administrative services complex. So because we couldn't actually put our own food service in, we had to look at other alternatives. If we owned our own food trucks, then we could do it. But from a financial standpoint, we really can't. So what kind of food is the food truck going to actually have? Currently, we have 10 vendors on campus. We have Classy's Pizza. We have Big Al's Barbecue. Hibachi Express, which does uh, Asian concept food. Baguette About It, which does sausages with uh, baguette bread. We have Only Burger, which does hamburgers. Uh, Parley Vu Crepe. Churba Churba, which does dumplings. Uh, Groovy Dogs, which does hot dogs and ice cream. And American Meltdown, which does grilled cheese. And are all these going to be on one truck or are they going to be on separate trucks? Uh, these are the companies, so this is each one of their truck programs. So what we did when we started the program is we had four slots a day, five days a week. So we had 20 slots. I signed up 10 vendors and tried to line it up where everybody got both a centennial spot and a spot on main campus. It worked out pretty well. We did have uh, one company that, as the slots filled, they were out of the country. So when, it, when they came back, they couldn't do the other slot, that, the only slot that was left for them. So... We do have one opening that we're uh, still filling. I know a really important part of this is price. So how affordable is this food going to be? Basically, when I met with the vendors, I told them, you know, you're a private business. It's up to you on how you want to do your price range. I said, but we're on a student audience here. We're on a faculty staff audience. They like a $5 price point. So 
what I suggested to them was that they have at least in the mix an offering that if someone has a $5 bill or somewhere in the price range that there's things available for people to purchase. All of them should have that kind of offering available to them. There are some things that go up much higher than that. Uh, there are others that are below that. But they did try and keep that in mind. I know that for Big Al's Barbecue that he actually took a dollar off all of his items to fit within that price point. So the, the vendors have worked really hard. It's been a good partnership. They listen to our, our needs and concerns. So I know reading the full schedule of where these trucks are going to be will take a while, especially on air. But where can students go to see the schedule? First, it's important to point out that the food trucks are in underserved areas of campus and we're just rolling this out and we'll be making evaluations as to whether or not we need to add food trucks into other areas of campus. But right now, we have them um, between Admin 2 and Admin 3 um, over on Sullivan Drive and it's in the back parking lot facing Sullivan Drive if they're looking for someone there. Um, We also have one at Biltmore. And then we have two over on Centennial Campus in front of Venture 2A and Venture 2B. We have a schedule that's posted on our Facebook page, which is NCSU Dining. Um, If you go into the photos, we have a whole file on the food truck program. So you can not only go there to see the schedule, you can also go there to see the menus and the prices for the various trucks. Now, Every once in a while, we have a truck that can't make it for one reason or another. So Kevin has been working hard to build a backup schedule, vendors who can step in. And so for the latest and greatest as to what's going to be there on any given day, we invite you to um, check us out on Facebook at NCSU Dining um, or follow us on Twitter, which is NC State Dining. What I try and do is if there's any changes, uh, we send out a a tweet basically each day indicating where the food trucks are going to be. So if there's any changes, it lists there. I also try and list a posting on our Facebook page to talk about those changes. So if someone likes us, if someone gets our tweets, then they're going to see that information come in. I try and send it. The scheduled ones come at 9. If I don't schedule due to changes, then I try and send it out before 10. So that gives people a couple hours notice uh, for any kind of uh, changes in the food truck. Well, that's about all I have for you guys today. Before we head out, is there any last thoughts that you want to share with our audience? We're really excited about the feedback that we've gotten back from the campus about the food truck program. And we would encourage anyone who has uh, feedback for us to share it with us either on our Facebook page or um, email us directly at foodtrucks at ncsudining.com. Thank you, Jennifer and Kevin, for coming in and allowing our students to figure out what's going on with the food truck program. Make sure to visit the Facebook and Twitter sites they mentioned. That's all I've got today. So, for Eye on the Triangle, this has been DeAndre Jones. If you have eaten at the food trucks or have an opinion about this new food system, let us know through our Twitter or Facebook. A lot of campaign ads can be seen running through every bit of media this time of year. And it is important to know what to pay attention to. Gene has more. With the November election approaching, we hear more and more about the importance of voting and securing the basic principles of democracy. It seems as though the election is seeping into every part of our lives. From someone inquiring whether or not we are registered to vote as we walk through the brickyard, to those pesky advertisements that seem to constantly show up before YouTube videos these days. The youth demographic is being encouraged more and more to become politically involved. 
In the 2008 election, 51% of people aged 18 to 30 years old voted, with a 2% increase in turnover from the 2004 election and a whole whooping 11% increase from the 2000 election. The upcoming election will be the first time that many of us on campus will be able to express our political opinion with a vote. And while the election is an important and exciting time of our lives, there are several things one must consider before entering the voting process. First of all, there is one thing that is more important than casting your vote, and that is being an informed voter. Though the media is supposed to be impartial and objective in its coverage, it is virtually impossible to eliminate all bias. As a result of bias in the media, sources of information should be viewed on a political spectrum. The most extreme example of voter misinformation as a result of biased media is Fox News. The network is infamous for being radically conservative to the point of inaccurate coverage. A recent study by the World Public Opinion showed that Fox News viewers are significantly more misinformed than those who extract their information from other sources. And as far as journalistic fraud goes, these percentages of misinformation are shocking. For example, 91% of viewers believe that the stimulus legislation lost jobs. 72% believe that health reform law will increase the deficit, as well as the fact that the economy is just getting worse. 60% of viewers believe that climate change is not occurring. 63% believe that Obama was not born in the U.S. This would be incredibly amusing if it was not for the fact that these are the same people that go out the next day and cast a vote thinking that they're being properly informed by the media. Voters usually expect misinformation at the hands of politicians in ad campaigns. And while a certain degree of media bias is only to be expected, blatant misinformation is not. Both the left and the right are guilty of campaign ad fallacy. For example, an ad by Mitt Romney's campaign decreed that Obama made a decision that would gut welfare reform. While an ad created by an Obama-allied political action committee linked Romney to a cancer death. Both ads were labeled untrue by fact-checking groups, and both campaigns seemed unabashed. We have entered a new era in politics, one in which both sides are willing to stretch the truth in order to receive support. To decrease voter misinformation, it is highly advisable for voters to follow several media sources during the campaign and to cross-reference their facts. It is also beneficial to use a fact-checking source, such as the Washington Post fact-checker, factcheck.org, or the Tampa Bay Times Pulitzer Prize-winning politifact.com to educate yourself on the facts behind the issues. Voting is an integral part of U.S. culture, and it is extremely important that we make up our own minds about the issues which affect our lives, instead of blindly consuming the process information presented to us by propaganda machines, politicians, and biased press. Use your common sense and do not believe everything you hear, or for that matter, everything you read. Remember, not all information that you acquire from the news is 100% factual and accurate. Please take things with a grain of salt and use your frontal lobes. Be smart, pack, and do your research before you head out to the polls. This has been Gene Jernoff for WKNC, The Revolution. We're going to cut to a short break, but no worries, we will be right back. Welcome back to Eye on the Triangle. If you are an avid EOT listener, you've probably noticed that our normal host, Jake Langlois, is not with us in the studio today. That is because Jake has been fortunate enough to obtain a press pass to the Democratic National Convention. Being the journalist that he is, he has given us an exclusive interview for Eye on the Triangle. A little earlier, Jake gave us a call from the DNC floor to tell us about the happenings in the Queen City. He's currently at the DNC. I'm super jealous. But Jake, tell us... What is a normal site of our 
what are your surroundings of the DNC? Well, right now I'm staying in the Charlie Convention Center, and um, basically as far as the Democratic National Convention goes, there are two main areas. There's the Time Warner Arena, and there's the Charlotte Convention Center. The Time Warner Arena is what you see on television where President Obama or the speaker, whoever gets up, gets in front of the crowd to speak. Um, that's actually the Charlotte Bobcats home. And then as far as logistics, where everyone checks in, press, everything like that, that is in the Charlotte Convention Center. And so how is it being at the DNC? Like, is it a really, really enriching experience? Well, the first thing you notice is the security. The security is everywhere. Basically, most of downtown Charlotte has been shut off. You can't get in without going through levels and levels of security. I've seen officers from as far as Chicago, just police officers from all over the country, firemen, Secret Service, they're everywhere. And, of course, you have protesters outside. You have delegates from all over the country inside. I've seen pro-abortion and anti-abortion protesters just in the streets. Just reporters from all over the country. So, so being at the DNC as a, a reporter, do you get to talk or conversate with any of the delegates, or is that sort of a closed-off thing? I've seen delegates walking around. I spoke with a gentleman who was catering for one of the press secretaries for the uh, for the White House. So, if you look around, you'll find people from all over the country. I've seen people from Maine, Wisconsin. Texas, just about every state you can find delegates, obviously, here to nominate President Obama. So being at the DNC must be pretty educational in terms of North Carolina's role in the election. Can you tell a little bit about that? A little bit more about the actual election itself. One of the first things you notice is just the tone of how the election has changed. I have seen virtually no mention of hope or change like you did in the last election. What's different this time around is that the momentum is not quite with the Democrats this year. People are still excited about it, but it's not quite the same. Like, you haven't seen any of those posters of Obama as you did last year. Or, uh, in 2008, his face was just about everywhere. This year, not so much. And, like, again, as, um, like in 2008, North Carolina is a key battleground state. Obama's hoping he could blue this year, although looking pretty difficult for him. This year, Romney seems to be leading at about, by about four points as of this morning. Democrats are hoping that hosting the convention here in North Carolina will give them that bump that they need. It's been a rough couple months for Democrats in the state. Everyone remembers the John Edwards sex scandal that happened a couple years ago. But earlier this year in April, there were sexual harassment charges filed against Jay Parmy, who was the state Democratic Party executive director. Passage of Amendment 1 in May obviously was a big blow to the Democrats. Beverly Perdue, the current governor, is not running for re-election. She's, you know, highly unpopular. And one of the biggest, I think, is the Democratic Party failed this year to win endorsement of labor unions, um, who have historically been a huge supporter of the Democratic Party. And they have stated this year they will not be supporting either party. And, of course, in 2010, uh, the Republicans gained control of the state legislature for the first time in a century. So, you know, it's been a rough couple of years, but they're hoping to bounce back from that and hopefully keep Obama in the White House. Have you seen any specific responses to the Republican National Convention yet, or is that yet to come? The convention hasn't officially convened. That starts at 5. But so we do have some speakers tonight. An up-and-coming Democrat, many people are excited about, is Julian Castro, the mayor of San Antonio. A lot of people have compared him to Barack Obama in 2004 when he spoke at the Democratic Convention then. The mayor of Los Angeles, who is also the chair of the 2012 DNC committee, uh, will be speaking in addition. Beverly Perdue will be speaking. Cory Booker, the mayor of Newark. Terry Reid, the U.S. Senate Majority Leader. Jimmy Carter on video, which is interesting because if you listen to Paul Ryan speaking last week, he really blasted Jimmy Carter and basically compared Obama to Carter and saying the Carter administration was even better than the Obama administration. And, of course, Jimmy Carter is highly unpopular among conservatives especially. So that, that'll be interesting. Nancy Keenan, who is the president of the National Abortion Rights Action League, which is interesting really because this year I've, seen, I've noticed trends with a lot more social issues, and that maybe stems from the fact that the, the economy hasn't done nearly as well as the Democrats have hoped. 
So this year they're kind of touting their, their record on gay rights, uh, women's rights, things like that, which is a, a field that the Republicans have not been very strong in recently. A lot of people have felt that there was, you know, I've heard the term war on women flopped around, maybe a little bit too conservative, out of touch. So the conservatives this year are really going for the economic approach, while the Democrats are really trying to shy away from that and stick with, this is, you know, this is how we feel about gay marriage and what have you. And then the big story tonight is Michelle Obama will be speaking at about 10.30. And then we'll hear from a couple more speakers over the next couple of days and, of course, Barack Obama on Thursday evening. When you get back, will you be providing a little bit of coverage on Barack Obama's speech and other things like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Walking around the DNC, what would you say has been the most interesting or most, most amazing sight uh, that you've seen so far? Well, I can tell you what the most disturbing I've seen uh, was right outside the convention center, anti-abortion protesters just handing out, you know, flyers and reading from the Bible and, and kind of things you'd expect. What I didn't expect was a giant poster of, of a photo of an aborted fetus. And it kind of stops to make you think, and it's interesting to say the least. As always, it's, this is a huge political event. There's a massive media press. I've seen people from Time Magazine, The New York Times, CNN, Fox, just about every media outlet you can imagine. I've seen Twitter media booths, Facebook media booths, just about everything, every media outlet you can imagine, they're here. And I just thought that was fascinating. And how does it, how does it feel as a journalist to be at such a big event? Uh, i got to tell you, it's pretty, it's spectacular. Um, it's the chance of a lifetime. To get a press pass, to be able to walk through the convention, it's just, it's a thrill like I can't describe. It's, it's absolutely amazing. It sounds like it. That's all I've really got for you today, Jake. Are there any last thoughts or words that you want to leave our audience with tonight? You know, just keep a lookout. You know, a lot of people have, have believed that these conventions don't really serve the purpose they once used to. A lot of people think that they're bloated or a whole lot of pomp and circumstance. And whether or not you believe that's true, it, it is still an important event. It is when the country gets together to officially nominate their candidates. So I think it is important to watch, even if it's not something that you are following religiously. Um, it is still something worth watching and following. And well, uh, I think that's all we've got today. All right, thank you. All right, see you later, Jake. Uh, we miss you. All right, I'll be back soon. A big thanks to Jake, our correspondent at the DNC. When he gets back, he'll definitely be providing some more coverage for us about Barack and everyone else's speech at the convention. For Eye in the Triangle, this has been Jake Lingua and DeAndre Jones. A little earlier, Jake... I'm sorry. Today is very special, as it is featuring a returning serial from a new member. Lucia presents her segment, Eye on the Arts. Good evening. You are tuned in to On the Arts right here on On the Triangle. I am lovely Lucia. Tonight we'll be interviewing Iggy Kosky, frontman of the Lollipops. So Iggy, how were the Lollipops conceived? I originally conceived the Lollipops uh, in a mental hospital in April. And uh, while institutionalized, I wrote approximately about 30 songs. And uh, when I got out in see, early May, produced our first record and recorded it uh, called Pop Narcotics in about four weeks. Wrote about 15 songs. And uh, put it up on Bandcamp, assembled a live band for our first show, June 23rd at King's. I read online that the media has taken a hold of your band as like the new pop rock group of Raleigh. How do you respond to that? I feel humbled and also surprised at the same time. Um, it wasn't really my ambition to actually get that amount of buzz so fast. However, it just seemed to progress that way. It's, it's very exciting and it's also just extremely gratifying as well. Well, that's good to hear. The show at Turnanug the other night for local band, local beer, that was a huge turnout, and the crowd response was amazing. How did you feel when that was only your third show? 
Uh, again, uh, just very humbled and, and very excited for the future. And also, I just would like to play a lot more shows in Raleigh. However, I don't want to oversaturate the local market and kind of turn people off by playing way too much. Kind of keep like a certain amount of, um, I guess, mystique would be the word. It was, it was funny because like we were like loading up on stage and plugging in our gear. Look up and see like half the room, half the, the floor is like packed with, with, with cats and, and just waiting to see us play. It was very exciting. It's just very inspiring. So what is the future for the Lollipops? What do you guys have in store for everybody? Well, we just uh, we just released our second record, I believe, on uh, August 29th. That's called Your Royal Masochist and Love Crusades. It's a 15-track record that I wrote and recorded all by myself in between May and August of 2012. Um, we have a Hopscotch Day party coming up and also a couple house parties around NC State campus. Doing some shows with uh, Blue Virginia Bazette and Towers uh, in Wilmington coming up pretty soon. We're going to be headlining Kings October 25th. Pretty much just trying to figure out our game plan, strategy, if you will. So, Icky Kowski is not only the frontman and guitar for the Lollipops, but he also writes the music for all the other instruments. Would you like to tell us about the uh, making of your recent album? Sure. We'll see, like, about May until August, I've been, like, couch surfing and kind of off the beaten path slightly, if you will. And so it's kind of forced me to uh, depend on my friends to help me record the record, um, to give me, like, a place to sit down and record for about eight hours and so, um, various friends in the area, like my friend Brittany Anderson and Andy Holmes and Trent Fabio and other cats as well, actually lend me their living rooms or their tool sheds to kind of hide away for a couple hours and just get some work done. So it was kind of, uh, it was nice to actually record every day in a different environment because it was very inspiring. It was just, it wasn't monotonous, if you will. How would you like listeners to view this next album compared to the first Pop Narcotics? Well, personally, I, I tend to think that the second record is actually more focused. Musically, it doesn't seem to jump all over the place like the first one did. The first one seemed to be a bit more schizophrenic and manic. To some degree, the second one is still in the same in the same direction. However, it just seems to be more uh, finalized and focused and matured in, in a way, almost. Even though it's only been recorded about three months after the first one. But yeah, the concept of your own masochist and love crusades just shows you the uh, the ups and downs of relationships and... I don't know. Uh, life, love, and loss. So wh- where do most of your influences come from? Well, musically, I would have to say I'm, a- I'm all over the place because I'm very ADD. And um, I seek inspiration from anything from Skip James, Letton Hopkins, and Muddy Waters, Robert Johnson, to Miles Davis, Billy Holiday, John Coltrane, and then like a lot of the 60s pop bands as well. I went through an 80s phase of Prince and <laughs> Rick James and all those cats and a lot of James Brown, Son Family Stone. Kind of all, like all over the board. A big influence of mine, though, personally, uh, is Jeff Buckley. Jeff Buckley, I remember the first time I heard Grace, I, I wept for hours and hours. It was a beautiful record. Grace just changed my life. The thing is, since I play like about, I don't know, eight instruments or so, maybe more, I'm not quite sure actually at this point. Um, I seek inspiration from different artists on different instruments. Songwriting, producing as a whole, I kind of seek a lot of inspiration from Of Montreal. Considering that Kevin Barnes does a lot of that stuff himself as well. Uh, James Murphy from LCD Sound System. You know, on the guitar, Jimi Hendrix, I like his voicing, and Prince as well. His voice on the guitar is very, very specific. You know that's Jimi Hendrix when he's playing. Uh, on bass, James Jamerson from Motown, the session player. Drums, primarily uh, the cat from uh, Deerhoof. I seek a lot of inspiration from him as well. So it just it varies from instrument to instrument. As a whole, I'm kind of all over the place. Along with all the other media buzz, Triangle Rock said the Lollipops are the dark horse buzz band of the moment. They were all anyone could talk about after their Raleigh debut in June, and their free Bandcamp download is the pop hit of the summer. Where did they come from? Who is Iggy Kosky? 
How do you respond to that? Uh, who is Ziggy Koski? That's weird. N- no one important. I am nobody special. I'm just coming on the bottom of the shoe. An aspiring musician just trying to write some pop songs. Essentially, is what it is. No one's special. No one's special at all. www.lollipops1.bandcamp.com They will be performing at Hopscotch Day Party Friday, September 7th in downtown Raleigh at the Contemporary Art Museum from noon to 5, along with Lonnie Walker, the Love Language Special Guest, and the American West. A day party at Hopscotch Music Festival this Friday, September 7th, along with Lonnie Walker, Special Guest, the American West, and the Love Language. Show starts at noon and goes until 5 p.m. So now, Dave, what's going on with those holidays for this week? Something interesting, I hope. Uh, absolutely. Um, today is Newspaper Carrier Day, which kicks off a very exciting week for holidays. Sounds like it, dude. Absolutely, yes. I mean, Newspaper Carrier Day, uh, you know, celebrate everyone about, like, my parents' generation and above. Maybe some of them were uh, newspaper carriers, paper boys and stuff, but <laughs> I think that tends to be the uh, post office's job now, but... What are yeah, newspapers? What, do? what? What are newspapers? What? Tomorrow <laughs> is uh, Be Late for Something Day, and it's also Cheese Pizza Day. So that's a good candidate for my favorite day this week, um, which is saying a lot considering Saturday is my birthday. So Right. Uh, Thursday is Read a Book Day and Fight Procrastination Day. I'm not sure uh, <laughs> that I, I'm not sure that I'll have time to read a whole book that day, but we'll see. I mean, I might... I might be able to fit in uh, Go Dog Go before bedtime. <laughs> Did you say fight procrastination? As fight in, procrastination. As in, like, if you're as about in, to fight somebody, you as, should yeah, not do as it. as in knock procrastination out. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I thought you were saying, like, if you're going to fight someone, you should procrastinate the fight. Well, like, you, you should, should do that, too. I feel like oh. it's a nonviolent <laughs> holiday as well. Um, let's see. Friday is National Lazy Moms Day, and it's Salami Day. So I don't really know what to make of that, either of those holidays, really. <laughs> um, salami, I don't even know what salami is, honestly. You don't? Really? Being a vegetarian, oh. it's never come up. I'm so, sorry. Do you guys know what salami is? It's, it's yeah, like it's a meat. processed meat. It's really good. Okay. It's a couple animals. I, don't, if you, I can't name which ones, but... Like, okay. if you weren't a vegetarian, I, I promise you that you would know what salami was and you would enjoy it as much as I do. I, I guess I would have to. Uh, Saturday is my birthday, most importantly. Right. International Literacy Day and National Date Nut Bread Day. So, go out, make some date nut bread, you know, right. have a crazy time. So, your birthday is okay. more important than literacy? Yes. Okay. And if, yes. and yes, if you is. did procrastinate read a book day, you can read it on literacy yeah. day. <laughs> See, if you forget to forget... Fight, uh, <laughs> if you forget to fight procrastination, you know you've already you, procrastination. You've got, you've got Saturday wins the so, fight. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday is Grandparents' Day and Teddy Bear Day, so grab your teddy bear and uh, I don't know, maybe take your grandparents to lunch or give them a call or something. I felt like we had uh, Elders' Day last week, didn't we? I don't think so. I feel like we had a senior citizen we- a day last week. Yeah, yeah, we did because you said take them to a the, thrift shop. The thrift stop because that was also a thrift shop day. No way. Yeah. I you, was you're not doing present. this. You should remember this. Whatever. I was not even <laughs> for that. Okay. Monday is sewing machine day, swap ideas day, and boss employee switch day. Did you say swap IDs day? Swap ideas. Oh, ideas. <laughs> I liked the first one. Better. Swap IDs. <laughs> you could also do that, but I don't know. I think there might be a legal... <laughs> stuff you'd have to deal with for that. I don't know. 
Anyway, that'll do it for the holidays this week. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to celebrate your way through the week. Thanks, Dave. Now we turn to Grant for this week's community calendar. So you can see. Good evening, Wolfpack. Here's what's going on around campus this week. The Pinhole Camera Challenge Photography Exhibition began today in the NCSU Craft Center and will continue throughout the month until October 3rd. Come out and view the best photographs from the competition and vote for your favorite. The box office hit The Avengers will begin playing in Witherspoon Student Cinema tomorrow at 7 p.m. and will be playing throughout the weekend. The Avengers will be accompanied by the movie Prometheus starting on Thursday at 7 check online for more movie times this saturday september 8th from 9 a.m to noon the cure search walk celebrating and honoring the children from the triangle area who have been affected by children's cancer will be held on centennial campus come out and enjoy live music food and family fun activities for a good cause also on saturday is a 21st annual dog olympics at the ncsu college of veterinary medicine admission is one dollar per person and one dollar per pet Children under 5 are free, and the entry fee to compete is $7 for the first event and $2 for each successive event. On Tuesday the 11th, Jill Adler, professor in Johannesburg, South Africa, will be discussing the book Knowledge in the Blood, Confronting Race and the Apartheid Past. This event will be held at the Friday Institute for Educational Innovation from noon to 1. Also, check out the new exhibit at the North Carolina Museum of History on the making of Gone with the Wind. Admission is free of charge. For more information on these events and more, go online to ncsu.edu forward slash calendar. Brian the Triangle, I'm Grant Buckner, 88.1 WKNC. Well, guys, that just about wraps up all we've got for you this week. I hope I didn't fail you listeners in Jake's spot this week, but if I did, no worries, because Jake will be returning next week with more correspondence about the DNC. And as always, if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything that made you think, let us know on our Facebook page. You can also follow us on Twitter at WKNC underscore EOT. Also, be sure to check out our blog at WKNC.org. Well, that's all we have for you tonight. We thank you for tuning in. Until then. Good night.